Good morning to our listening audience at station KKVV. As always, we are honored that you have joined us here at Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located at 1720 North J Street. Our contact number is 702-647-2627. Our website is www.abundantlifelv.org. We are pastored by Russell Lewars. Over the past month, we have been offered spiritual insight on the subject of conversion. And this afternoon, Pastor Lee Wars will continue his series and speak to you on a topic entitled, Simply Saved Because He Went Through. After our sacred selection, the next voice you will hear is that of Pastor Russell Lee Wars. Hear ye him.
Sister Gloria and her, the duo team with her brother. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. That says it all. I am a sinner saved by grace. Amen, Brother Seal. You woke some people up already. All right. Amen. Amen. Brother Murphy, hook me up real good. Amen. You got me? All right. First of all, I, I just want to um, inform the church of some of our youth that are leaving us. I never like to see the youth go away, Steve. But it's okay. The birds have to leave the nest. And they have to move on to bigger and better things. And it's always, I'm always excited when they're going off to Adventist schools. Most of all, I'm biased. It's okay. Love me anyway. But when they go off to Christian schools, I'm excited. I'm proud of them. And I know God has a lot to to do for them and will do for them. He's going to come through. And so, Jezreel, I want to thank you, sir. Thank you for sharing your gifts and talents with us. Stand up, Jezreel. Amen. Amen. Just wave for us. Awesome. And we have Angela, who is leaving as well. Angela, come on. Don't be shy. We know you're not shy. Amen. We'll wait for, there you go, Angela. 
And we have Dominique Lucas, who is not with us, but she's a member here, belongs to us. And Brother Jordan. Where's Brother Jordan? May not be here today, but I know he has told me that he's having a phenomenal time at Rio Lindo. And of course, we have a couple of our college students here who are leaving. Some of them haven't given me their dates yet. But Neftali, whenever you're leaving, all right, where's Neftali? I say my goodbye now. Amen. The church said amen. amen. And I'm praying for Miko that Miko leaves too. Not that we don't like Miko. Maybe too late, but I'm still praying, Miko, that you make that choice. Accept Adventist education, Christ centered and education. Also, I want to add that if perhaps you are tech savvy and you want to join in pledging to the Abundant Life Christian Academy, you can go on the website www.abundantlifelv.org and you'll find a tab there that takes you to your giving. And so you can actually give online. I am taking advantage of that. We do our giving online. Quick and easy, pain-free, in the prayer moment with God. Also, it's my last little thing here. Board members, I just want to see you for five minutes. I need your decision on something. Really need your decision on something, okay? Shall we pray together? Father, it's your time. Your people have gathered here today to hear from you. I am just an instrument, O oh God. Speak through me. And Father, at the end of the day, I'll be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. Let God's people say, Amen. Amen. Well, church, I think you're ready for the word. Amen? All right, let, let me see your Bibles if you have them. Hold, hold your Bibles up. Hold your phone up. Amen. Make sure you're not texting. It's just the word. All right. Turn your Bibles to John, the fourth chapter. I want to thank Principal Holiday, who is also an associate pastor here at the Abundant Life Church. I want to thank all my elders, as a matter of fact, for making the experience of leading Abundant Life a thrill and still an adventure. I want to thank Elder Brown and the team for making it a wonderful experience. <laughs> amen. Are you there? John, the fourth chapter. Say amen. amen. I want to pick it up because Principal Holiday did such a wonderful job. I want to go down to verse 25. Verse 25. Verse 25 of John, the fourth chapter. Verse 25. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. And the Bible says, The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes... He will tell us all things. 
Jesus said to her, I who speak to you, I'm he. Tiffany, I'm he. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? They were afraid. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? I want to talk to you on the subject today. We're doing Simply Saved, the theme of conversion. Today I want to narrow it down specifically on the subject because he went through. Because he went through. Now, if you don't have a study guide, I want you to have a study guide. I made enough for all of us. Ushers, make sure the church, do you have your study guide, church? It's in your bulletin. Raise your hand if you don't have your study guide so you can get your share. I don't want anybody to be left out. See those hands? The study guides are right there. Make sure everyone is served. Study guides. Uh, ushers, don't let me down. Please don't let me cry in here. I made sure we have... Everyone should have a copy. Find them so that we can follow along and have something to work with. Sister Evans, you hooked me up, right? There we go. Beautiful. Brother Larry came through. Let the church say amen. All right. Quickly, quickly now, ushers. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Raise your hands if you don't have a study guide. Don't be shy. Raise your hands. I need you to be looking at your study guide. Yeah. Raise your hand if you don't have a study guide. Right here. Right here. Make sure my elders, they have theirs already. Everyone should have a study guide. It will all make sense in a minute. Make sure you have your study guide. Beautiful. Beautiful. At the end of this sermon today, I'm going to ask you a question. And I'm preparing you because I want you to know whether or not you can absolutely say you are converted or saved. Can you say you are saved? This is it. Are you converted or are you saved? That's the question I will ask. And you should know the answer at the end. In this story, we discover a woman with a dismal love affair. A dismal love life. And a bad reputation. She's got a taste for toxic relationships. Looking for love in all the wrong places. 
Now, she was married. She was married five times. Five times married and five times divorced. And the last shot at love, last shot, is shacking up with someone like the rest of the men in her life, not even worth mentioning. We get a sense that she isn't excited about her lifestyle because she is getting water during the hottest part of the day. You wouldn't hang with her if you are of Jewish ethnicity, since her people are considered half-breeds or desert mongrels. We also sense she is frequently the subject of gossip in the community. A celebrity lifestyle. But on this occasion, an encounter with a stranger changes her life forever. The Bible says in John 4 verse 4, and he must needs go through Samaria. And he must needs go through Samaria. He has an appointment just as how he has business in Samaria. He has an appointment with abundant life today. On this seemingly uneventful day, she meets a man who is not necessarily attractive. Not GQ by any measure, average by her standards in appearance. But all the words he spoke, the words he utters, neutralize her finest objections. She hears about living waters from which she can take one drink and never thirst again. And in one spur of the moment reaction, she responds, give me this water. Not that I may have everlasting life, which Christ proposes, but that she may never come to the well again. So I don't have to be subject to gazing and inquisitive eyes. Give me this water. Fast forward to the end of the story. Under conviction, she leaves her water pot, runs off pleading and shouting for people to come see a man who told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? This brand of conversion experience is the same kind of experience we need to have in our lives. That's the part we are concerned about with today. From part A, give me this water, to come see a man. That's where I want to zoom in today. How can this experience be ours here at Abundant Life? Allow me to share with you six steps of this woman's conversion as we look at the same subject because he went through. Our first step is we must desire for something better. Desire 
for something better. Look at your study guide. Fill it in. Desire for something better. If you have a desire for something better, this desire comes from God. Whether or not you're ready to admit it, whether or not you identify God's voice, he is drawing you. As evident in the Samaritan woman, as she says, give me this water. Jesus is tugging at your heart, impressing upon our minds for something better. And your response to his love is the first step towards conversion, towards salvation. The first step towards salvation is to respond to the drawing of the love of Christ. Everyone, everywhere is being drawn except possibly those who have already been brought to a confrontation with God and have turned him down. The Bible says the Holy Spirit would convince the world concerning sin. John 16 verse 8. The whole world, not just a few. John 6 44 also reminds us, No man can come to me except the Father which sent me draw him. And John 12 32 says, If I be lifted up, from the earth will draw all men unto me, which tells us the three persons of the Godhead are drawing all people to face the real issues of time and eternity. We've got to make up our minds today. Listen, beginning outside and trying to work inward has always failed and will always fail. God wants the heart, the source and root of all our problems. So our first step towards conversion is to desire something better. What's step two? We need to learn the truth about God. Learn the truth, fill it in. Learn the truth about God. When we respond to the God-given desire for something better, we must learn what that something is. That's why we do Bible studies. Because desiring something better, people, a lot of people are stuck at the desire for something better. But they don't know what it is. So the next step is to learn the truth about God. That's why we do Bible studies, because knowledge, a correct knowledge of God and his love, is our second step in coming to him. You must know God for yourself. Not the preacher, not the bishop, the priest, or the tele-evangelist. You must know God for yourselves. Let me tell you why. Selected Messages. I read in Selected Messages, book 2, page 352, 353. I'm reminded to remind you, listen carefully. 
The enemy, quote, the enemy is a master worker. And if God's people are not constantly led by the spirit of God, they will be snared and taken. I read a little more, and in Patriarchs and Prophets, page 35 to 40, where it says, quote, Satan's work began in heaven by suggesting doubts, questions, and thoughts in such a subtle way that the unfallen angels were not aware that they were being led by him. They uttered thoughts that originated with him, thinking they were their own. People, if he were so successful in heaven, what about us down here on earth? Made a little lower than the angels. We are no match for him. But what about us? I want to answer my own question. And I want to answer it with this quote from Testimonies, Volume 5, page 294, where we discover, quote, The enemy, it says, is preparing for his last campaign against the church. He has so concealed himself from view that many can hardly believe that he exists, much less can they be convinced of his amazing activity and power. Boasting of their independence, they will, under his specious, bewitching power, influence, obey the worst impulses of the human heart, and yet believe that God is leading them. Could their eyes be opened to distinguish their captain? They would see that they're not serving God, but the enemy of all righteousness. They would see that their boasted independence is one of the heaviest fetters Satan can rivet on unbalanced minds. If history, particularly the Middle Ages, teaches us anything, it is that we must study the Bible for ourselves. Study, study to show thyself approved unto God, 2 Timothy 2.15. Warped tradition and ritual messed up the mind of the Samaritan woman. She is relying on the tradition of her ancestors. John 4, 12. She says, art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? I want to say to the Samaritan woman, girl. Your heritage can't save you. No matter how many generations of Adventists you are, it still don't matter. You know my daddy, some people say, is a Baptist. And his father, and his father's father before him is a Baptist. So I'm going to die a Baptist. You've got to study for yourselves. Get the right knowledge for yourself. Don't depend on others to tell you about God. Don't read the Bible just for information. Read the Bible for inspiration. Because the Bible says, He that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. Matthew 7, 7 says, Seek and ye shall find. Knock 
and the door will be opened unto you. Paul goes on to say, when we seek God, we'll find him because he is not far from every one of us. Acts 17, 27. God wants to find us. He wants to find us. We are not serving or chasing down a God who's trying to elude us or playing hide and seek. We aren't looking for a God who is lost. We have got a God who followed Adam when he hid in the garden. We have got a God who followed Jonah when he was deliberately running from his duty. A God who followed Saul of Tarsus as he fled from the stoning in Jerusalem that had brought conviction to his heart. I've got a God who found me lost and broken inside and saved me. We've got a God today. Now, some people think the devil is just going to lay low, Miko, and permit you to be edified without a fight. Yeah. They think they can just come up and study God's word and listen to the sermon, and the devil is going to sit idly by and twiddle his thumbs. Look, if he gets nervous just by seeing you pray, what do you think is going to happen when he sees us receiving a correct knowledge of God, studying his word? You've got to realize that at every step, he has sidetracks and sidekicks specifically tailored to hinder us from reaching our goal. So you're wondering what kind of sidekicks and sidetracks. Distractions, which come in the form of people who just like to talk about religion, but spend very little time uh, with the word and communicating with God. They discuss and dissect and analyze God and religion, talk about church business, but never come into a relationship with God. Just fluff. There are others who depend on other people, so their spirituality vary from the kind of friends or people around them. But I'm so glad today, God's always trying to bring us to a true knowledge of himself, whom to know is life eternal. And that leads us to another step towards conversion. Yes, you must desire something better. Yes, you should learn the truth about God. But yes, you've got to admit that you are a sinner. We all look nice. <laughs> but we've got to admit first that you're a sinner. When we thoughtfully and meaningfully engage the word, under the power of the Holy Spirit, something supernatural happens to us. Peter writes in 2 Peter 1, 3-4, As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, 
that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. When you engage the word, you are convicted of the hopelessness of life without God. 1 John 3, 4 says, Whoever committeth sin, living apart from God, transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. That's what the Bible says. But the Bible goes further because Romans 14, 23 says, Anything that's done without faith, that is sin. So you thought it was just a legal matter. But without faith, anything that's done without faith, that is sin. That's what the Bible says. The pastor didn't make it up. Do you see it? Romans 14, 23. Listen, Christ Object Lessons. Christ Object Lessons, page 356, puts it this way. Quote, the defects, flaws, or imperfections cherished in dealing with life's minor details pass into more important affairs. Thus, actions repeated form habits. Habits form character. And by the character, our destiny for time and for eternity decided. Seems depressing, doesn't it? But here's the hope. Although we are all born sinful by nature, you don't need to feel responsible for being born that way. God knows where you are. And the only thing we are responsible for is what we do with his plan of salvation. In other words, in other words, in other words, when we face ourselves in the presence of Jesus, we become convicted that we are sinners. Not because, listen to me, not because of what we have done, but because of what we are. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Saved by grace. The Samaritan woman tries to pull a trick on Jesus. A fast one, if you please. When she was convicted of the mess in her life, Jesus, Jesus says, go get your husband. And because she's street smart, she says, I have no husband. But lying by omission is still a lie. Fix it up how you want. But it's still a lie. She should have known people. She should have known there's no secret hidden from God. Psalm 98 says, Psalm chapter 90 verse 8 says, You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. Conviction is good, but conviction is only a step towards conversion. Millions are convicted under the sound of my voice, but will never come to Christ. Under the sound of my voice right now in here, on the internet, on the radio, people are being convicted but will never come to Jesus. So we need to recognize our helplessness. And that leads us to step four. So yes, we need to desire something better. 
Yes, we need to learn the truth about God. And yes, we need to admit you are a sinner. Uh, but we also need to realize you are helpless. Helpless, but not hopeless. When we have been convicted that we are sinners, whether or not we have ever done anything wrong, and when we have repented of our sinfulness, the next step is coming to Christ to admit that we are helpless to change our lives. We don't change our lives in order to come to God. We come to God and he changes our lives. John 15, 5 says, without me, you can do nothing. And Philippians 4, 13 reminds us, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. So on your own, you can do nada. You can do zero. You can do zilch. <laughs> but you can do all in Christ. In other words, stop trying to fix yourself. Tell your friends, y'all wasting your time. Forget about the just look within and find the truth. That's a lie. It won't help. Your help and solution is Jesus. Your education, your culture, the exercise of will, human effort, all have their proper sphere. But here they are powerless. Steps of Christ, page 18 says, our hearts are evil and we cannot change them. Can an Ethiopian change the color of his skin? Can a leopard change its spots? You're helpless. We must admit our helplessness, not hopelessness, and come to God just as we are and surrender. Yes, desire something better, Shelton. Yes, learn the truth about God. Yes, admit you are a sinner. And yes, realize you're helpless. But yes, you need to surrender yourself to Christ. At some point in time, you're going to see yourself in one of these steps. And I'm going to ask you, where are you? The word surrender is so misunderstood. A lot of people think surrender is giving up a particular sin, a particular problem, a particular weakness. They come and they promise, I'll never smoke again. I won't have any more hangovers part one or part two. I won't party like a rock star anymore. So they write their sins on pieces of paper and they burn them. Yes, the sins are gone. Then they walk through the church doors and they go home and boom. There's the same sin they wrote on the paper. Surrender. That's not surrender, folk. Surrender isn't some trifling experience. Something that can be done with little effort or thought. We are prisoners by our own will. We create our own Guantanamo Bay. If you please, check in at the front desk and refuse to check out. We've got to stop blaming the cigarettes. Cigarettes can't talk. They don't just jump up out of the corner store and say, here, smoke me. Booze. 
Booze don't say, hey, want a shot? And the woman on the corner didn't, did, 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 she, she's not responsible for your decision. Surrender is serious stuff. Abundant life. Surrender of the will is like you plucking out an eye or cutting off your arm. Serious business, but not a hopeless task. The key is how to proceed. And Paul describes one way of trying to surrender your will, which leads to failure. I'll tell you, it's found in Romans 10, 1 to 3. He says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness, I preach, that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Trying to do it on your own gets you nowhere. The best option today is the way of Jesus, John 10, 9. I am the door, he says. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is the door. The Holy Spirit is the hinge. And the key is faith. We live right because we're God's property, never in order to be saved. So stop trying to save yourself. Admit you just can't do it. Then and only then you'll realize surrender is not about giving up things. Surrender is giving up my will to God. Surrender leads to another step. And that step is to receive the gift of repentance. Yes, desire something better. Yes, learn the truth about God. Yes, Admit you are a sinner. Yes, realize you are helpless. And yes, surrender yourself to Christ. But ah, oh, you need to receive the gift of repentance. You thought you could repent. You, you thought you could do it, huh? Yeah? Let's see about that. When you surrender to God, you receive the gift of repentance. If the thing is free, it can't be worked on. It can't be manufactured. It can't be worked up. Steps to Christ, page 26 says, It's a point on which man may err, and hence they fail of receiving the help that Christ desires to give them. They think they cannot come to Christ unless they first repent. You think you got to fix up a little thing, you know, Pastor, I want to come, you know, but, but I'm working on some things. I got to hook myself up for, I'm coming. Take care of some business. Pastor, you know, I, I, I got to take care of my, my love life first. You know? Not together, Pastor. I got to work on some things. Look at the Samaritan woman. Nowhere, nowhere, nowhere does it says, the story says, she cleaned up her mess on her way to the well. Does it say that? Does it say, when she got to the well, she cleaned up herself? It says the Savior makes an appeal and she immediately accepts the offer of living water, of never to thirst again, and it was freely bestowed to her. Come on and say amen. amen. 
Acts 5.31 says, Jesus is exalted to be a prince and a savior. Here's the biblical proof now. A prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. We only experience repentance when it's given to us. If you want repentance, if you need repentance, you've got to come to Jesus. God delights in giving good gifts to his children. That's why Paul says 2 Corinthians 7.10. He says, godly sorrow, not manly sorrow. Godly sorrow. Worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. When he's the central focus of your home, people. When he's the central focus of your life, your relationships, your thoughts, your conversations. When you come to Jesus, study his life, contemplate his character, his mission, his unfathomable love, and awesome acceptance, you will experience repentance. Repentance is found at the foot of the cross. And now I told you, desire something better. Yes, desire something better. Learn the truth about a God. Admit you are a sinner. Realize you are helpless. Surrender yourself to Christ. Receive the free gift of repentance. And yes, conversion time. So where are you in these steps? Are you stuck at just Knowing the 2300-day prophecy, you need to know it. How about you know the sanctuary message inside out? Huh? You study your Bible texts. You do your Bible studies. But is that all? You're stuck at learning the truth about God. But that's where you are. So you are just a pure legalist, a Pharisee. No better. You've got to move to the next level. Conversion, conversion, conversion. Conversion, conversion, conversion is a continuing experience. Put that in. It's a lifelong experience. Justification, being justified by Jesus. One time, forgiven of all your sins. But to continue to grow in Jesus, you need to be converted. Converted people can't keep it to themselves. Come see a man, she says. Come see a man. You don't need to tell converted people that they need to tell people about Jesus. They can't help it. They just can't help it. it. It oozes out of their pores. They're just in love with Jesus that whenever they get an opportunity that's presented to them, they, they, they have to say something about Jesus. Are you converted today? Are you saved? If we're certain of anything, we're certain baptism in and of itself doesn't convert us. Uh, we know that conversion is a continuing experience and God's people can be converted and must 
be converted. This is not an if. Young people, young adults, boys and girls, you must be converted. How do I know? Well, I read a little something here. Listen to manuscript volume 12. Uh, 51, it says, the minds of many are clouded with unbelief because, listen to me, because those who unite with the church as the chosen of God do not reveal the virtues that are the fruits of the Spirit. Joining the church is not a sure evidence that a man or woman has joined himself to Christ. She goes on. Listen to this. The new birth is a rare experience in this age of the world. This is the reason why there are so many perplexities in the church. Many, so many who assume the name of Christ are unsanctified and unholy. Now here's the punchline. You ready? If you're ready, say amen. Did I say something wrong? Oh, y'all get quiet. They have been baptized, but they were buried, Elder O.D. alive. I hope I didn't bury anybody alive. Were you buried alive? Did you go down in the water because of a friend? Did you go down because daddy said so? Or mommy wanted you to do it, so you did? Self did not die, and there they did not rise to newness of life in Christ. Young people, I want to talk to you, man. You just rolled up in church to have fun? Or you came to meet Jesus? Now, now after reading that, I was very convinced that we must be converted. But I was Doubly, Leslie, doubly convinced or persuaded after reading Christ or Righteousness, page 54. Page 54, she says, the enemy of man and God is not willing that this truth, righteousness by faith, conversion, should be clearly presented. For he knows that if the people receive it fully, his power will be broken. If he can control minds so that, they, that doubt and unbelief and darkness shall compose the experience of those who claim to be the children of God, he can overcome them with temptation. Are you saved? I'm done, you know. I'm wrapping up. I got to give you some good stuff. I got to give you the word. I want you to contemplate this business right here. Am I converted? Am I saved? Or is it that you say because people think you need to be converted after all them years in church? You need to be converted, man. If you're not converted, nobody else is converted. So when you come week after week and realize you've got the same problems... The same weaknesses, the same addictions, the same fears. I want to let you know don't give in. 
Things may go worse after conversion before they get better. More trials, more temptations, more defeats and after your, your, your decision. But I want you to tell the devil a little something. When he says, nope, tell him you've got hope. Tell your neighbor, when the devil says, nope, I've got hope. When he says, nope, I've got H-O-P-E, hope. Because he went through. Philippians 1, 6 says, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Because he went through. I acknowledge conversion is God's work. Because it, he went through. It's not how much of God we have, but how much of us he has. Because he went through, victory comes as a result of a daily experience. Because he went through, conversion isn't the end point of spiritual life, as physical birth isn't the end of growth. It's simply the beginning. Because he went through, he can fashion anew the character that has been ruined by sin. Because he went through church, uh, we... He can fashion our character, but he can also expel the demons that had control our will. Because he went through the city of Jerusalem to a hill called Calvary. He has made a way for me. I shouldn't be here today. But because he went through. Because he went through torture, ridicule. Death, I'm going to keep on keeping on. Because he went through, I can go through the pearly gates into the city. I can sing a little song through it all. Through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God through it all. Through it all, I've learned to depend on his word. Has God been good to you? I know God has been good to you. God has been good to me. If I were to thank him all by myself, I would. But are you converted? Are you saved? Are you sure? Huh? The desire for something better. I want my life to be right, but I, I just can't. But the desire for something better is not enough, church. Visitor, friend, it's not enough. To take Bible studies, learn the truth about God, and walk through the church doors, it's not enough. To admit, yeah, I know I'm a sinner. I'm a mess pastor, I know it. But to admit you're a sinner is not enough. Realize that you're helpless because everything else that this woman searching for love in all the wrong places and still the void can't be filled. Realizing you're helpless is still not enough. So you surrender yourself to Christ. You come and you surrender 
But then there's something else that you need to do. A lot of people here are surrendered to Christ today. But you need to receive the gift of repentance. You need to accept this gift. It can't be worked up passionately through singing and dancing and speaking in tongues. No. Uh-uh. It's a will thing. You have to surrender that will. And then the experience of conversion is yours. So I'm here to ask you a question. Because Jesus made an appeal. So I'm wondering if you are here today. And you want to have this conversion experience. I want to be very open and I want to be very clear. I'm going to ask the church to stand. And in confirmation, first of all, the church is standing because they want to be converted. Yeah. Now, I don't know which step you're stuck on, but I know some of you are stuck right now. You don't need to tell me what step you are. But if you're here today and in this process, you're saying, I know where I am. The pastor is talking to me. And you want to come down for prayer right now. I want to pray with you. Come on down, wherever you are. Amen. I don't know what step you are, but you want to say, Lord, maybe, 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 maybe you're stuck at desiring something better. Uh, maybe you signed up for Bible studies. You coming Sabbath after Sabbath and you're learning the truth about God, but somehow you can't cross the other hurdle. So, okay, maybe it's, it's you, you, you got a serious pride problem. 